from Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I am Mark Quanstrom. And we are having a continuing conversation. Um, we, we joked, Mark and I, that the only time we get to catch up is when we have the record button. That's um, true. On when the when the light is red. And so here we are. Uh, we spent the last couple of weeks reflecting on a journey that I've been on as a pastor from disaffiliating from a denomination. And, um, you know, just it's it's been sweet. You're still the pastor of the church? I'm still the pastor of the church. And, you know, yesterday in worship, just there was such a lightness. Oh, how nice. And sweetness. And people lingered. I mean, I always think one of the signs of a healthy church is how long do people linger? Right. And, uh, I mean, people lingered for a long time and they just wanted to be together. And it was, you know, just this, this collective sense of, okay, we're through the hardest part. Let's go. Sweet. So has the honeymoon returned? I think so. Oh, really? Yeah. So you I were... mean, I really, I, I have like those honeymoon <laughs> feelings, like where I just like look at the church and I'm like, oh, you guys are just love you so much. And, is that, you know, and <laughs> is that like when you're looking at your child when they're sleeping yes, exactly. and not when they're awake? Oh, oh my God. What a dear child it is. Why do we always say that when they're sleeping? That is such a great description because I have said many times in many places, including here that I view pastoring through the lens of mothering. Right. And yes, like I just looked out at our church yesterday and I just, oh, they are beautiful and amazing. And God is doing a beautiful thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's good news. Yeah, that's really good news. And so you, you left the honeymoon for two months and now you're back. I'm back. Back in the Bahamas. <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I didn't know we'll that's see. That, I mean, that... you know, you once said to me, you, uh -oh. you said to no. me, you know, something really wise. Nope, I don't think so. Yeah, you, you did. You said, you know, I know some couples um, that I've pastored before and their honeymoon never ended. You said that to I me. I have said that. And that gave me hope. I thought, who says that a honeymoon as a pastor has to end? It, yes. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's unusual if it doesn't, but there's no law that says it should. Right. 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 You know, and it's, I mean, there's going to be lots, plenty bumps in the road. I think, I think the key, so I think about marriage, right? We're uh -huh. going down a trail that we didn't say we didn't That's play. That's fine. That's what we, we do. I think about marriage, you know, so a lot of people look at, look at me and Jeff and our marriage, and they'll say, man, you guys are, are you guys act like newlyweds. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I always tilt my head, I'm like, do we? And I, I think the key is that we are both grounded in reality of, we don't have one another placed on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. uh, we. That's sometimes hard to get to in a marriage. It's hard to get right? to. And so our yeah. expectations are set and we've learned to love each other, not on the pedestal. And I think with pastoring, we can get these really idealized views of the church. And when we realize that the church that we thought we were called to is not this view, this idealized view that we had, this utopian view. Right. When we realize it's not that, well, then we have a choice. Are Correct. we yeah. going to ground pastoring and reality? And I think sometimes I've watched a lot of pastors. They just, they walk 
they walk away just completely um, disillusioned. Yeah. So if you don't ever want to be disillusioned, you just lower your expectations sufficiently and you're never disappointed, right? <laughs> yes, That's been one of my yes, strategies. Yes, yeah. If you have low expectations, yeah. then you can't be disappointed. Yeah. So I mean, day that's one. Not, that's not what you're, that's obviously not what you're talking about. But um, it is true. And we're going to be talking about this in probably three weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where we're going next on the podcast. The podcast is about working out of our theological convictions, yeah. working out of a theological vision, right? Mm-hmm. And my hunch is, my, I, I suspect that a lot of the disillusionment for pastors comes from an underappreciation of the nature of sin yeah. or the nature of sin in the lives of their congregants, mm-hmm. which is what you were kind of speaking about. So when you looked at your congregation yesterday, this you you didn't have a romanticized notion no, of them, no, right? You looked at them and loved them for who they were mm-hmm. and what they were. Yes, right, correct. Yeah, so you, so. yeah, I, mean, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, if yeah, if your analogy with you and Jeff's marriage is is apropos or or comparative, um, it is the case that in marriage we come in with un realizable expectations for our spouses that they can never realize. And so there always is in marriage kind of a disillusionment or a Mm -hmm. disappointment, but love... Yeah, and Jeff, we went through that. Right. I think you're 10. You're 10, 11, 12, 13. You're not who I thought you were, and you're not meeting the needs that I thought you would meet, right? And now 18 years in, and I, we might go through that again. I mean, people change. Sure, sure. And so... There comes to be a truer measure of love when we love the other for who they actually are and not for who we wish them to be. That's right. Right? That's right. And And that's when it gets fun. It really does because you let each other go. And then you really learn of each other Mm -hmm. because you're not seeing them through the prism of your expectations. Right. Right? Right. So I've been married 40 years. Oh, I should know better. Uh, Yeah, 46 (laughs) years. Wow. 45 years? Sorry, Deb. It's somewhere in the 40s. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> 45 years. And, um, and that's, that's remarkable. Well, you and you guys got married when you were 10. Thank you. We did. It was an arranged marriage. So, <laughs> um, and, and, um, it's, it's some, it feels like sometimes I'm learning who she is still. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still learning who Debbie is. Mm-hmm. I'm going, wow. Why didn't I ever see that before? Or how come I didn't notice that before? And there is, there is kind of a new delight mm-hmm. in um, being married for the first time after forty-five years. Right. So, right. but it it comes after um, you realize how painful, uh, how hurtful the other can be. It comes after. Yeah. Um, understanding the nature of forgiveness mm-hmm. for the other mm-hmm. and how much we have to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, Debbie, Debbie has probably, probably, no, Debbie has had to forgive me more than I've had to forgive mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. So being in the debt of each other's grace yeah. um, a remarkable thing. is so, yeah, it's, I don't know that a marriage relationship is a, I'm thinking that's an appropriate analogy for the relationship between a pastor and a church. I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, every analogy break that breaks sure. down, um, you know, and so I think this this illustration it breaks down at some point, but it feels like I mean, it feels like that for me. 
Well, the, there, there ought to be a commitment on the part of the church to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. there isn't. Mm-hmm. There ought to be a commitment on the part of the pastor to the church. Right. Uh, sometimes there isn't. Right. Right. But I think in really healthy organizations, there is this kind of covenantal relationship mm-hmm. between the leader and the church. Mm-hmm. In, the, in this context, in this, I'm talking about church, between the pastor and the church. Yeah. Yeah. And they used to describe a good, healthy pastor-church relationship as a good marriage. I've heard church leaders say, oh yeah, that's that's a really good marriage between Mm -hmm. pastor and church. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there ought to be a covenantal relationship among God's people, period, a fidelity to each other. Um, And that that should also be descriptive of the relationship between the pastor and the people. Yeah. Yeah. Is that fair? It's absolutely fair. You know, and it's interesting um, for this conversation and what we want to talk about today uh, is you were in pastoral ministry alone, like only pastoral ministry for several decades. 23 years. Uh-huh. And then you stepped into the institution. Right. right? Uh, uh, the uh-huh. academy. Uh-huh. Right. And so now you're at, you're at Northern Seminary. You're the dean of right. students. Um, dean of faculty. Dean of faculty. Dean of faculty. Dean of faculty. Yep, you're the dean of faculty. And, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of a, little bit of a mind um, bend at times moving from the church to the academy. And at the same time, Northern Seminary, at some point, you maybe had an idealized view of... Oh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, of who they are. You've got this all-star yeah. team. Of yeah, prof- I mean, I remember sure. sitting with you and talking to you, you know, about Northern Seminary. And I, you know, thrown your name in the hat and... Um, all of a sudden it started taking off and here you were surrounded by just these amazing minds, these professors, theologians. Yeah. So um, you can't, you can't micromanage your future, right? So um, all I wanted, all I thought I would ever do is pastor. So 23 years in Southern Illinois and um, testing the covenantal relationship with my church there, Mm -hmm. staying, Mm -hmm. staying when I could have left, staying when I would have preferred to leave. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that. And then going to Olivet, thinking I had left pastoral ministry and teaching for four years students how to be pastors, mm-hmm. trying to talk them out of being pastors <laughs> because of how hard it is, mm-hmm. and um, uh, insisting that the only thing that would keep them is their love for Jesus and the sense they can't escape the call, mm-hmm. right? And we've mm-hmm. talked about that maybe. Um, and then ask, being asked to be a campus pastor of a multi-site church, which was college church mm-hmm. at the time, and doing that and teaching for four and a half years. And then that congregation realizing that they couldn't sustain the multi-site model by virtue of the two campuses being culturally different. And so um, I resigned College Church as a campus pastor in the middle of it and thought, okay, now I'm done with pastoral ministry. Now I'm really done. And so I went back to the academy and then um, they asked me to be the pastor of the um, newly formed College Church, mm-hmm. which had been a campus of College Church. And so then I became dean in the School of Theology uh, and pastor of College Church, which is uh, uh, quite a privilege. And then, um, was it three years ago, being asked to step down as dean mm-hmm. of the School of Theology mm-hmm. and being quite confused by that. Mm-hmm. Um, not having any forewarning that it was coming. Mm-hmm. I won't speak of the details of that. So then I left the academy and I thought, okay, so I guess I'm not in the academy anymore. Hmm. 
So now I'm just going to be the pastor of College Church, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I'm pastor of College Church, and I'm thinking I need to, I need, I want to keep working in the academy somehow. So um, I thought of uh, what I'm doing, what we're doing today, Center for Theological Integrity. And um, you introduced me to the president of Northern at the time, mm-hmm. Bill Scheel. Mm-hmm. Had lunch with him, and he asked me to do the Center for Theological Integrity there, mm-hmm. which was quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that as part of God's redemption yeah, because of how painful it was to have been dismissed from my alma mater and uh, disassociated. It was I was disassociated from the community that mm. I loved at Olivet. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe this is God's redemption. So I get to Northern and you're right. I'm thinking, wow, I get to hang out with all of these amazing faculty members. And I mean, and um, I was just doing the Center for Theological Integrity out of Northern. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't a part of the community, mm-hmm. right? But then Lynn Kohick, who was the prof- provost at the time, asked me to kind of work over the MDiv degree that they had because mm-hmm. some of the students were, not some, all the students were pretty unhappy with the particular component to it, not because I'd been dean and had re- had designed programs. So I involved myself in that, went to a faculty meeting, got to know the faculty a little bit better. Uh, and Bill was promoting me heavily. So um, then I'm in, the, I'm in there a year and a half. And then all of a sudden, now I'm in a mess at Northern. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, this is interesting. Now I'm doing this podcast, Center for Theologic Integrity out of Northern. I think we talked about it. And this all happened before we launched the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, and he resigned like in February, I think. And uh, we, I think, gave one one session to it. So then, um, so then I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that involved, but I know the faculty and they're talking to me. And an interim president was, assigned after Bill Shields' resignation, who happened to be the president of John, of Olivet, John mm-hmm. Bowling. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that was circumstantial. I had yeah. nothing to do with his appointment. Yeah. So now I'm introducing the president who appointed me as dean of faculty at Olivet. I'm introducing him around. And uh, we don't have a provost. We don't have a dean of faculty. And nobody knows the future of Northern. People are resigning. And John said, would you consider being provost? Which I immediately rejected. <laughs> I said, there's no way. This is, you know, this is kind of a mess. And no, I'm, I, and I'm pastoring college church. Mm-hmm. And besides, I think I'm done in the academy, right? <laughs> so I was done in pastoral ministry. And then I was done in pastoral ministry again. And then I was done in the academy. And then... So pastoral ministry was my future. And so now I'm doing kind of adjunct work out of Northern. And now I'm, now, so then I reject, he said, would you be the provost? I said, can't be the provost. So I, I don't want to, I can't do that. So four weeks later, he's getting a better sense of the place. And he sees my relationship with the faculty. And he said, would you consider being dean of the faculty? That is not as comprehensive as provost. And um, frankly, there's nobody else here that could pull that, that could do it. in part because we couldn't hire a dean who would leave their present assignment mm-hmm. to come to Northern because we weren't sure of the future of Northern. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, there's no way I'm going to accept being dean of the faculty without the faculty's buy-in, without them. Mm -hmm. So there was no way I was going to impose myself on them. Because mm -hmm. um, I had come to know them, and, you know, in the, in, the, in the mess, we had talked a little more often. So I went to every faculty member in person and said, okay, uh, Bowling has asked me to be dean. Um, I need your I need your honest response to that. Yeah, I need you to tell me because I don't have to take it. I'm not necessarily interested in taking it, and I'm certainly not going to take it over against the objections of faculty. Right. And I said, so you can be honest with me. I mean, this is not personal. I just need to know. And so I went to them one at a time, and um, it. They ranged from, the response of the faculty ranged from, would you be dean permanently, which was really nice. Mm -hmm. Yes, the answer was yes, but would you not do it in, as an interim? Would you be the dean permanently? To, I had somebody else in mind, but if that's who, uh, but it doesn't look like they'll be able to be it, so I would be fine with you as dean. So it went from like 10 wholeheartedly to, I guess if that's what's going to happen, so be it. I mean, that was a, it was a little more than that. Um, and so I thought, uh, you know, life unfolds. I, you don't plan this. Right. Uh, doors open. Right. And so I obviously prayed about it and thought, well, that's, that's I guess, the next thing. Mm -hmm. Went to my church board, told them that they had asked me to be dean, got permission from them to be dean. They said, Basically, you were dean in the School of Theology while you were pastoring church forever. Uh, so I don't know how this would be that different. Mm -hmm. So so uh, as dean, then I became fully immersed in the life of the seminary, which was a mess. Mm. Might be an understatement. <laughs> which was a mess. And I blamed you. Mm, yes, you did. <laughs> what have you got <laughs> me into? <laughs> I thought, you know, interim president's appointed and um, we're navigating. We've, since February or March, we have been navigating. Um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, Northern, uh, Northern's reputation, Northern's culture, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of systems. Yeah. Uh, real pain. Yeah. Real hurt. Um, and so Lynn Kohick's resignation is what precipitate was what allowed me to be named as dean. Um, I talked to her as well mm -hmm. and wanted to make sure she was okay with it. Um, again, talked to all the faculty, and we have spent since May kind of rebuilding, reinventing, reforming, rehabbing Northern, mm -hmm. which has been really, really hard work. Yeah. Uh, really hard work. Um, so um, I don't know what else to say about Northern, except that um, the leader, our president, Karen uh, Walker Freeberg, is doing an amazing job of listening and reforming. The Board of Trustees are rewriting Board of Trustee bylaws to make it more shared governance. It was quite top-down. Um uh, the faculty are more involved in governance. The mm. students are being invited to be in governance. Mm. Um, but um, sometimes in an institution, um, 
the hurt and pain is such that you don't have any other option but to leave. Right. Uh, that's my interpretation of Lynn Kohick's resignation, mm -hmm. that the internal, uh, the internal relationships were harmed such that she didn't feel like she had any other obligation, mm -hmm. any other choice but to leave. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sympathetic to that. I wish she had stayed. I asked her to stay. Um, I asked her if she couldn't stay and work it out. But my experience at Olivet helped me understand that sometimes you can't stay. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I don't know, eight weeks ago, six weeks ago. No, no, four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, we learned that uh, Dr. Scott McKnight was resigning. Mm -hmm. And he's a friend. Mm -hmm. I consider one of the privileges of being at Northern uh, calling Scott McKnight a friend. Yeah. And um, I... I wish he hadn't. I yeah. wish um, I worked really hard at making it possible for him not to. Um, but my assessment of Scott's resignation is the same as Lynn's. Uh, sometimes the um, the hurt is so great, and it's not about forgiving, and it's not about uh, letting the letting other people go. It's really just. Uh, the hill, it's just too hard. It's just too hard to stay um, at, a, at a place where um, so much hurt and pain has happened. Sure. Does that sure. make sense? I don't Abs know if that makes no, sense. No, it absolutely does make sense. It's not that it's not redeemable on this side of heaven. Right. Um, but the redemption just may come later. It may not be able to happen within right. this context at this time. Yeah, and I don't think we... This this will all feed into a conversation about um, how pervasive sin can be in institutions. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about that, I guess, in three weeks. But um, I I think we have our expectations for what is possible in this world are unrealistic. Sure. Um, that sometimes you just have to leave. Mm -hmm. That sometimes you just can't stay, and mm -hmm. it doesn't mean anything more than that. Right. Uh but we tend to we tend to spiritualize and 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 demonize those that um don't meet our expectations instead of giving them room to have a different perspective that can be as as holy as yours. Yeah, it's such a Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And that was really, really helpful for me because you talked about that last last podcast and when we were talking about Oh, the bishops? Yeah, and in our departure from, a, you know, a denomination that sometimes we over-spiritualize these things, and sometimes it actually it's just not the right match. Different objectives, different goals, different mission. And I think some of this spiritualizing that we do comes from a, a binary way of thinking that it's either good or bad. Right. Um, and like you said, when it's not working out, we, well, we assume that that's really bad. Right. It doesn't have to be bad. No. Um, yeah, I think, and again, this this comes from an underappreciation of the fallenness of this world, mm -hmm. the fallenness of creation. Mm -hmm. um, we understand it in highly dysfunctional relationships. So mm -hmm. we would never expect reconciliation between someone who has been um, severely abused by a perpetrator. Right. We would never expect 
that person to ever be in the room with their abuser. Even if the abuser has repented and has acknowledged their mm-hmm. sin, mm-hmm. Um, it's just too re-traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm Oh, completely. I mean, you know, in, any one of those professors that where it was just incredibly hard, they might step into a, you know, a room um, where they had a conversation with, you know, that particular president or a situation that every time they step into that room, the smell, the experience of being there is just triggering and triggering and takes them back to that moment, um, which we know that when we get into trauma brain, we're not at our best. Yeah. And and it's not fair to those who have been victimized mm-hmm. to expect that reconciliation should happen in this world. Right. Right. Go ahead. You were going to say. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I just I want to add is or ask, are we hopeful for Northern? Oh, gee whiz. So everybody's assessment of Northern is not the same. Right. 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 Of course, everybody's assessment of Northern is not the same. Um, but I can say that uh, those who ha- have been able to stay at Northern, mm-hmm. believe in Northern. Yeah. We have been working really hard at creating a culture and an environment that is reflective of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have put some sin is structural, is systemic. So we're addressing the systemic structural issues that allowed for any president to have the kind of power that the former president had. We are divesting ourselves of of power for the sake of shared governance, for the sake of creating a healthy and holy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, the faculty who are there are going to stay. They mm-hmm. believe in it. And um, the morale and the, the morale is the best that uh, I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in, so you, you weather the storm, you... And you kind of go, is this worth fighting for? Right. Is this worth, is the mission of this place worth my investment? And everyone who is there now says yes. Yeah. And um, Dr. McKnight's leaving is, of course, a big loss to Northern. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can say that we are going, we, we have been in conversation and with a, a stellar, renowned New Testament scholar who has agreed to come to Northern hmm. uh, to uh, to assist uh, Dr. Nijay Gupta in running the New Testament program. Mm-hmm. He is a recognizable scholar mm-hmm. who is doing leading work, who is in the same um, vein as Dr. McKnight. Dr. McKnight has... Uh, written prologues to his writings. Mm -hmm. And so um, in the next couple of weeks, we will announce, uh, it may be announced by the time this podcast airs, Mm. uh, but we're going to be announcing the installation of a faculty member who will carry on after Scott McKnight in a a different but equally uh, meaningful academic way. Yeah. So those who are at Northern, I mean, we're in. Yeah. You know, here's what I'll say, too. I was a student at Northern Seminary pre-Scott McKnight era. Okay. Um, you, I, I, got, I had the privilege of sitting at, under his feet, but right. I'd already been a student there for two years. 
Okay, when he okay. came. Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't a, know this. Yeah, I'd already been a student there for two years. I chose Northern Seminary because of the ethos and the mission pre-Scott McKnight days. And I still choose Northern Seminary for that reason. I mean, here's what I mean by choosing. I'm a pastor. We have a pipeline of, of young people looking for seminaries. And I just sat with someone last week and I said, you know, I, I still think Northern Seminary is the absolute best. It is egalitarian. It, it is, is egalitarian. It is missional. Yes. It's not extreme to the right or the left. No. It is theologically orthodox. And all that to say, everyone um, who knows me knows that Scott and I are, are dear friends. He wrote the foreword to my book in Bolden. I don't even know where I would be if it weren't for him, frankly. Right. And Northern Seminary is not Scott McKnight. Northern Seminary is who she is because of the rich, rich history of empowering women on ministry, of sending people out to live missionally. And I look at who they have there now. I mean, Beth Felker Jones, my goodness, that woman changed my life um, when she was a professor at Wheaton. And I read her book, Marks of His Wounds. We've got Nijay Gupta, who is also one of the world's leading New Testament scholars. We've got David Fitch, who is one of the world's leading missiologists. We've got Marshall Hatch, who is a pastor of pastors, who is a legend. And so I just think about Northern and from the outside looking in, I'm still sending people that way. And I will forever be grateful for the time that I had at Northern pre-Scott McKnight with Scott McKnight and the impact that I believe it will continue to have. Yeah. So, yeah. So when I came to Northern, there was a temperamental fit to start with, mm -hmm. um, ecumenical, generous, not doctrinaire, mm -hmm. they, but they take the Bible seriously. Mm -hmm. They're not fundamentalists, but mm -hmm. they take the Bible seriously. They treat it as sacred text. Mm -hmm. uh, they're theologically ecumenical. I mean, we got Methodists and Nazarenes and Brethren and mm -hmm. Baptists, which, which is an incredibly rich environment. Mm -hmm. But this, and the seminary sees itself in service to the church. Mm -hmm. They don't, they have the highest academic credentials. Uh, these professors could teach at other academic institutions they whose could. orientation is, is the academy. Boy, could they? But they want to serve the church. Yeah. So these are academics who understand their vocation as a, as missional to the church. That's right. And so it's it's just fun. It's and, just and fun. And by the way, we didn't plan to talk about this. We didn't plan to say any of what we just said. This is not a commercial. No, no, Seminary. no, no. But this is just where this I've been. This is not. Right? We're not paid to say that right no. now. Um, we just, we just. I just love Northern. This was. This flows out of the conversation about uh, dysfunction in institutions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and underestimating the sin that can infect institutions. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. This flows out of yeah. um, just a realistic appraisal of where we are working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and so next episode, we're going to reflect on your journey as a pastor, um, your other job. My other job. <laughs> your other uh. job. Yeah, you guys have, you've been navigating your ups and your downs, yeah. as we all are as pastors and uh, I think we get to continue to hear a little bit of the vulnerable side of, of Pastor Mark. So 
Until next time, friends, may the Lord bless you and may God sustain you for another day of ministry for his glory. We are grateful for those who are following after Christ in their call to pastor. 